truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to The Blaze live and on demand. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We've got an extra riding side saddle today. Our good friend Shannon Joy, New York talk show host, is here with us because we'll have the Dace group coming up here momentarily. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. You can email the program, steve at stevedace.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show and like us on Facebook as well. Uh, we mentioned the day's group is coming up uh, this hour, uh, next hour, some feedback Friday and today's truth bomb. Also, one of the cool things about getting to do this for a living, other than it beats going down a mine shaft with a flashlight, uh, is we have an opportunity to support worthwhile causes. Uh, maybe the greatest cause uh, in all of human history uh, is the hope and inspiration and the truth found in God's word. And that's where Back to Jerusalem comes in. They are based in communist China, and their heart is to take the word of God to every closed country between communist China and Israel. So they're talking about uh, Iran, North Korea, you know, uh, places like Somalia, where we get our, our members of Congress from now which is great. Um, if, if this is something that you want to take part in, because the, these nations close the word of God off to their people because they don't want their people inspired. They want them oppressed. They don't want their, their people to read the truth that sets them free. So they will sh- throw off the shackles of their own sinfulness because when you've been redeemed from your own sinfulness, you then kind of have a tendency to look at the sinfulness of others and say, you know, I don't want you imposing that on me. Now that I'm free of my own sin, they want to take that message of freedom all across the world, but they need our help. So, so here's their plan. They've taken the Bible and they have put shrunk it down so it's easier to get past the gatekeepers there. And they say pill form, but it's it's like that. All right, that that's how they get it through the the gatekeepers in these countries. If this is something that you want to support. Blazehelp.org is the web website, blazehelp.org. It's just 15 bucks one time cost for you and a friend to go out to lunch today if you have something like that planned uh, or a movie ticket. Blazehelp.org, uh, 844-305-0566 is the number, 844-305-0566. And now it's time for the day's group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins with issue one. Don't judge. Why my wife and I decided to abort our unborn gay son by Stephen Levatus, published in The Federalist on February 28th, 2019. My girlfriend and I recently found out she's pregnant. I told her I'd support her and the baby and secretly started saving for an engagement ring. She said she thought I would have wanted her to get an abortion. I didn't, at least at first. She was excited and started planning the nursery. It took me two months to save up, but I finally got on one knee and popped the question. She cried and said yes. I'm still scared about being a dad, but I've got a good job and so does she. We'll make a great family, just the three of us. Last week, though, she went in for a checkup. We decided to get full fetal blood work done. Everyone's doing it. The doctor said there's little risk to the fetus, and better safe than sorry, right? I'm sure everything's going to be fine. 
and we'll learn the sex. I really hope it's a boy. Oh, and we decided to make everything official with a trip to the courthouse. We're married now. Well, got the blood work results, and there's good news and bad news. Good news, it's a boy, and he's healthy. Bad news, he's gay. I didn't even know there was a blood test for that now, but I guess it's new. They found the genes that cause homosexuality, and they test for them now. I'm a really tolerant person, but this has made me think hard. I don't know how I feel about trying to raise a gay son. Will I be able to relate to him? Won't his life be super hard? I know things are getting better for gay people, but it seems to me that being gay is really hard in the South where we live. Gay people aren't really accepted here like in other parts of the country yet. This really started to weigh on my mind, so I did some research. Suicide attempts are significantly higher among gay teens, five times more likely. Gay kids are five times more likely than a heterosexual youth to end up hospitalized as a result. More than 70% of calls to Trevor Lifeline, a targeted suicide prevention hotline, come from the south and central regions of the country, right where I live. Another study found that any kind of victimization at school leads to much higher risks of substance abuse. Studies in progressive states like Vermont and Massachusetts found that for gay and bisexual boys, rates of victimization were nearly five times that of straight kids. More disturbingly, that victimization coincides with a host of risky behaviors, from cigarette and alcohol abuse all the way up to hard drugs like cocaine and heroin. Gay kids are way more likely to do all of these things than similarly persecuted straight kids. On top of that, in every studied risk factor but cigarette use, gay and bisexual boys are at a much greater risk than girls. What kind of life will my gay son have? How could I justify subjecting him to such horrible experiences for his entire life? I can't imagine what things here in the South must be like. I remember being accused of being gay in school. It was awful. I don't know if we could send our child to public schools. We would need to find and pay for a progressive private school. If we couldn't afford it, I guess we could homeschool. But this is not at all what we wanted our future to be. We both have good jobs we love, but I don't see how we can afford private schools. And which one of us is going to give up our job to homeschool our son? So my wife and I talked, and we've decided we aren't ready to raise a gay child. It isn't fair to raise a gay child in our area. It would be so hard for our son to live here, and I don't think either of us could handle it if he killed himself. Moving elsewhere just to have this baby would be totally unfair to us. We're going to get an abortion, both for the child's sake and for ours. It's the best thing for all of us. I'm really glad we found out before it's too late. I've never been more thankful for a woman's right to choose what to do with her body. My wife told one of her friends that we're going to have an abortion because we don't feel equipped to deal with raising a gay child. Apparently, it got around to some of our gay friends from college. I've been getting emails, texts, and IMs all day from them asking why I'm a homophobe and why I hate gay people. I don't hate gay people. I just can't bring a child into the world who would have such a hard time. I mean, we do the same thing if the fetus had Down syndrome, and so would about 67% of others if they found themselves in that situation. Even Richard Dawkins tweeted, It would be immoral to have a child who would suffer because of his genetics. Many people believe it's immoral to bring a child into the world who is just going to suffer. Ending the pregnancy is just better for everyone. It seems so obvious. I don't understand. It's my wife's body. It's her choice, and I agree with her. It's our choice what to do with our pregnancy. 
How can anyone else tell my wife what to do with her body? Tomorrow is the day we're supposed to go in for the abortion, but we've had to switch clinics twice due to the threats. We actually ended up crossing state lines to go to a clinic four hours from home. Thankfully, the federal law allowing abortion makes that possible. I was exhausted, but it's our choice. No one else can tell us what my wife is allowed to do with her body. We got to the clinic almost an hour early. They made us sit in the waiting room for a while and finally called us back. But instead of walking us to a table with stirrups like we expected, they escorted us into an office. A man in a lab coat was waiting at a desk. I recognize you, he said, after looking at us sternly for what seemed like an eternity. I didn't know what to say, so I didn't say anything. My wife didn't speak either. What you are doing should be a hate crime, and I won't have any part in it, the man said, looking angry. But it's my body, my wife said, sounding defiant, but like a little girl too. It's my right. It's hateful, the doctor responds. You're terminating this pregnancy because you don't want a gay child. Are gay children any less valuable than straight children? He sounded like a teacher trying to impart a lesson to a very slow student. No, but, my wife started to say, a gay child has just as much value as a straight child. In fact, you're lucky. Gay children are very rare. Census numbers put the number of homosexuals in America at around 3%. It wouldn't take many more people like you, he nearly spits the words, to eliminate homosexuality in America. That's genocide, and I won't have any of that on my conscience. With that, we were ushered out. My wife cried all the way home. When we got there, we found someone had firebombed our rented townhouse and wrote, Bigotry doesn't belong here, and love wins in spray paint on the sidewalk. I guess some fetuses are more equal than others, but I can't understand it. I just followed all the arguments I've heard from our society to their logical conclusions. And that, that is one of the finest things produced by conservative media in my time, either as a consumer uh, before this and now as a producer. That takes every one of my Ten Commandments of Political Warfare and checks every box and puts it in one magnum opus. Let's get some responses to this piece from around the room. Shannon is our guest. I will start with you. Go ahead. It was an amazing piece as well. And it, it attacked every hypocrisy, every fallacy of the left-wing progressive movement, the infanticide movement. But what I appreciated at a, at a larger scale was the identification in his own way of really the root of the entire life issue and the the a fundamental truth that in in you know, a socialistic society like our own, institutionalized killing is a necessity. It's a must. It's not about a woman's right to choose. It's not about reproductive rights. It's about control and command, the federal government deciding what is valuable, what is not valuable, and commoditizing the human being. And so I pulled up a couple quotes because, you know, the eugenics roots, this is an area where conservatives always fall down and, and fail to articulate to the American people when talking about abortion as an issue. But um, just a couple quotes here, you know, George Bernard Shaw, who was an early adopter of eugenics and everything about, you, you know, abortion is rooted back in Margaret Sanger and the promotion of eugenics around the 20th century. 
And, uh, you know, he said, you must all, you must all know a, a dozen people at least who are of no use in this world, who are more trouble than they're worth. Just put them there and say, sir or madam, now will you be kind enough to justify your existence? If you can't justify your existence, if you're not pulling your weight in the social boat, if you're not producing as much as you consume or perhaps a little more, then clearly we cannot use the organizations of our society for the purposes of keeping you alive because your life does not benefit us and it cannot be very much use to yourself. And uh, if you fast forward to the 21st century and the advent of Obamacare and socialized health care, you have Ezekiel Emanuel in the Atlantic. He was the author of Obamacare and uh, the brother of Rahm Emanuel. And he wrote a piece just a few years ago, Why I Want to Die at 75. And he says in his piece, but here's a simple truth that many of us seem to resist. Living too long is also a loss. It renders many of us, if not disabled, then faltering and declining, a state that may not be worse than death, but is nonetheless deprived. It robs us of our creativity and ability to contribute to work and to society and the world. Progressivism is a death cult. And I think that this piece kind of really encompassed that and it, and it, it exposed that really dark um, you know, root of the abortion industry, the euthanasia industry, and life in and of itself, the, the life issue. So I thought it was a great piece. Todd? It's, it's disconcerting to me how I was overwhelmed by this piece because I and we on the show think in terms of the way this piece was written. We've analogized along these ways uh, before. But I think it speaks to the general health and thrust of whatever the pro-life movement is that we regularly do not, uh, we broadly do not talk like this. We aren't forceful like this, or we aren't willing to engage like this. And it reminds me exactly of what you said, Steve, about some of the emails you're getting about um, the unplanned movie and how I won't go uh, because it's rated R. And I say once again, folks, we have a rated R faith. It is meant and designed to crush the worst sort of evils. And it has. And yet, we, we go on, talk, oh, I just, I'm, I'm just not comfortable. And that, uh, listen, this, there's a reason why I've said to you in the past when it comes to the uh, pro-life uh, arguments, when you're talking to somebody and they try to leverage you, and it works on us all the time and on the um, rape and incest argument. And we sit there and we do the hum and a hum and a hum. And I said, you, you take them, it's, okay, you and me are king for a day. I give you those one percent you give me the rest instantly the argument is over because that's not their argument mm -hmm. they don't plan on giving you any of them and it's the same with this i think a lot of people well, i don't you know i don't approve of homosexual you, you have boxed yourself so in on the stupid juvenile ickies this has nothing to do with that this has to do with god's miraculous and beautiful and stunning design for the universe that people are cheating themselves of and you have to hold them off to the absurdity of their own imposter creation and you won't do it because it feels icky to you or mean or odd and thus you and your children will end up getting what you deserve aaron this I, this piece 
is as close, and I posted this on on Twitter yesterday. This is as I'm convinced this is as close as any mortal fallible human being can get to the alpha and omega argument against progressivism. And when we're talking about progressivism, we're just talking about the latest iteration of ye be like God. Mm -hmm. Todd's point about why aren't we always talking like this, it is, it's again, another cosmic troll, I believe, that the same day um, that uh, CPAC was pimping paid family leave, um, this piece was, was... published that's that's and i'm not saying that i'm not making it necessarily a statement about paid family leave but a a, a a conference like that that's supposed to be about what does cpac stand for nothing absolutely nothing Having, i've been what, there several what, times what did nothing. it used to stand for on the same day that that's going on this piece is published and yet we're talking we're blithering on about um uh, criminal justice reform and paid family leave and and this and that that's just so dumb. We've got a communist There's, Van Jones appearing on panels the same day this 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 is yes, published. Yeah. yeah. There's one really subtle part of this that I think I'm not sure if it was intended. I think it was. I'm not really sure if it's intended. But I think it might be flying under the radar. Um a paraphrase of what I'm about to say was dropped at least two times in that piece, maybe three times, I can't quite remember. Um how can anybody tell us what to do with my wife's body mm-hmm. yeah, right underscoring yeah it, the men in this we get all the benefit she gets all the guilt yep. she gets all the blame mm-hmm. that is again uh, just another one that's of a the, quality yeah 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 that's that's one of the many things i get to use her body and then exactly. she is stuck with the consequences yeah. of me doing how, so how can yeah. anybody tell us what to do with my wife's body it, that's again so many so many shibboleths struck down and yet at the end, that's the money line. I just took all these. I just took all these arguments to their natural com- conclusions. Why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we doing that every day? It's because we don't have a movement. Let's get to the exit question because it's going to take some time to discuss this. Um, this is called "You Make the Call." Watch this. IBM presents "You Make the Call." In one corner, a student from London, England, is being praised for her kit that would make men be able to, quote-unquote, chest-feed children in order to overcome the gender inequality of women-only breastfeeding. Marie-Claire Springham explained on Good Morning Britain that the drug is meant to stimulate the production of milk-producing glands in the males who take it. Another drug regimen would then result in lactation. And in the other corner, Demetra Nix of California shared pictures on her Instagram of her spreading menstrual blood over her face in order to empower women. You make the call. All right, here we go. And you have to make the call. Shannon. Everybody has to make the call. Lactating men... Or smearing menstrual blood on your face. I will even give Shannon the most accommodation to time extra to think about it. Todd, you make the call and why. What's the context within which I'm deciding? Like, which one's worse? Which one's better? That's the beauty of our our progressive utopia. You even get to decide the context. You get to decide. Ye be like God means you can do whatever you damn well please. Provided provided the other people giving you that authority approve of what you choose to do with it, of course. Who needs to spread the menstrual blood on their face? 
Just the person with the menstrual blood, or again, is this cross again, again? Again, listen. The same people. You, okay. you can. We are our a fifteen year old girl can get an abortion, but she can't actually go see the unplanned movie about an abortion. Okay, um, you can. Sh- you a sixteen year old can choose which gender they are, uh, but they can't. They can't own. They can't. We can't let them. You know, have guns. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, so within within those okay. ground rules well. of our new progressive utopia, make any choice that you would like. Well, listen, I as the father of four daughters was uh, very much involved uh, in their upbringing, changed a ton of diapers, uh, watched them. You know, I got lots of, uh, Oh, isn't that wonderful? When I had, you know, four under the age of six at the grocery store by myself, you're amazing. No, I'm just dad, you know, it's uh, so love my little girls love being a daddy. Um, but on the uh, matter of uh, lactating, hell no. So if I have to do menstrual blood on my face and somehow make it look like I'm going full Braveheart or something, in um, Sons of Scotland, I think that's the direction I've got to go. Very progressive choice, Todd. Very progressive choice. Aaron, you make the call. Uh, this has been the second time this week uh, that I have been. I don't know why. I don't know if it's my diet or something. I'm just kind of squeamish. I have literally had to... Ooh. Well, that's the heteronormative <laughs> patriarchy talking. Why are, uh, menstrual blood is beautiful. What, what, what was on the Instagram there? Uh, bold uh, and beautiful. beautiful yeah, and yeah. Empowering <laughs> dim women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are clearly, uh, you're guilty of uh, being brainwashed by the heteronormative patriarchy. Good thing Shannon's sitting on her fainting couch right there because yeah. may, we may drop her. And to think you grew up in a home with a sister and, uh, a, and a mom, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you should know better. Shame on you. Yeah. Um, having said that, uh, I would... I would take. I would. I sent you to drinking would, male no, lactating milk. I oh. would take. I would take the menstrual blood uh, over the lactating because at least I could poke my eyes out. And I don't want to. I don't want this week anymore. I, I think. I think in order to cure you of your heteronormative patriarchal tendencies, you should drink the male lactating. Uh, no, that's what I think. Aaron? In fact, we can even make it like the Star Wars blue milk if you would like, if it makes it better. And you can make that face that uh, Luke Skywalker makes in The Last Jedi when he when he gobbles it down. What do you think? Sure, sure, boss. Aaron was a little sullen when I walked in, uh, being the first one in after him. Uh, I think you got to get his uh, combat pay or something. Whatever you just put him through to put this show together on this <laughs> yeah, front. It's like the Facebook employees. <laughs> yeah. Where are my joints, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> I want to apologize to America for the lack of uh, sensitivity and the uh, gender, the gender uh, normative uh, oppression that uh, they are uh, imposing on the rest of the audience. Shannon, lactating men or menstrual blood on the face, you make the call go. You've had enough time to think about it. I'm glad that Todd mentioned the fainting couch because I'm the girl who passed out at Passion of the Christ in the first scene at the movie theater. I couldn't even make it. I am so squeamish with anything that has to do with blood. But I also win this in this entire segment because I don't even have to deal with the man boobs. I can pass them off to my husband, devastatingly handsome Dr. Joy. So I'm going to take the man boobs all day long. I'll give them to my husband and I come out scot-free. We finally found a binary choice that Shannon would participate in and it's man boobs. And it was that one. <laughs> wow, I Dude. thought we'd get a lot more resistance to this. Steve, you did it! I- I like Did we break her? We finally got her to sell out. And all it took this whole time was man boobs. That's all it took. Now, in all seriousness, people ask me, Steve, why do you call progressivism a cult? 
this entire lat where it's eleven twenty three. So after the montage uh, uh, and then the live read, this conversation began roughly about eleven oh five, eleven oh six, somewhere yeah. in there. So for the last seventeen minutes now, um, this conversation is demonstration. I almost said menstruation. It's demonstration that this is a cult. This is the spirit of the age. This is the fool says in his heart that there is no God. The fool. Think think about what else was going on in the United Kingdom. That they're devoting airtime to lactating men. Think about that. It's just, it's, it's, it's pure foolishness. And remember when we pointed out to you that, you know, the old taglines uh, were always a lie. It's her body, her choice. And what she does with it in the privacy of her own life is it, it, you have no bearing over that. That was a lie. And now there's billboards shout your abortion. So that was a lie. Or the, you know, how's my gay marriage impacting your marriage? Or what two people do consenting adults in their own home? Uh, why is that any business of anybody else's? How would that impact your life? Uh, bake the cake, bigot. Go to jail. Um, you're out of the, uh, you can't be a fire chief. You're, you're court-martialed, right? Just make all your, you know, we've, we've seen all of these examples. That was a lie. That, that was a lie too. And the idea that acting out immorally was about um, was a, was about expanding notions of pleasure. Was about freeing you up to 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 experience the fullness of life. No, it wasn't. It wasn't about that either. It was all a setup to get to this crazy train the entire time. Because when you because that's really what this Federalist article reveals. What it really reveals is all these taglines we all fell for for the last generation with the sexual revolution. These were all a scam to get us to this level of crazy all along, all along. It was a lie the entire time. I go back to the, I wrote about the, uh, the now deceased porn star, August Ames. You guys remember the story from two years ago? Yes. The woman who took her own life. Why did she take her own life? She was bullied online and chances are she was already fighting depression and everything else on a real fundamental level, and this was just what put her over the edge. She was battling online with people who called her every name in the book because she didn't want to perform in scenes with men who have sex with other men because apparently the, 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 the regulations within gay porn aren't as stringent in terms of the testing and the other things uh, as they are uh, you know, it, and on her side of the aisle, which is mind boggling to me, because if you look at the risk, if, if you never have unprotected anal sex and it's usually gays that have this at a disproportionate number of gay men than any other segment of the population, if you never have unprotected anal sex and you never, ever share a needle with somebody, your odds of getting HIV are the odds of getting struck by lightning basically twice. OK, so it's just mind numbing. Mind-numbing. The only reason that you would not have higher regulations in the riskier industry is political correctness. Only reason why. Only reason why. To the point of, it's like the Marine who went on my Facebook page this week and said, yeah, I know women couldn't carry me in combat. 
And I know that they couldn't do the physical things that are required of being a Marine, but we should just let them in anyway because of equality. But, so he literally said, they're going to get me, more men like me, and themselves killed, but I don't want them to feel bad. So let's just go ahead and let them get blown to smithereens so their feelings are, are, are elevated. Think about the crazy with that. That's literally a mom saying, hey, after the cult leader impregnated my oldest daughter, let him have my youngest one too. It's the same kind of thinking, which is no think. Groupthink. That's what this is. Groupthink. And they bullied this poor woman, even though she was literally the living embodiment. Gorgeous woman doing whatever she wanted to do with her body, like the feminist taught her her entire life. And then because she wasn't, she put one restriction, and only one, on what she was willing to do with it. They bullied her until she took her own life. When all she was doing was living out every lie, they had sold women just like her. This was a lie all along. All of these were lies all along. Why? Because they come from the father of lies. That's why. These come from the pit of hell. The only debate is whether the people that are promulgating them are actively aware of that. Or are they useful idiots? From the, uh, the pit's useful idiots. That's really the only debate. But the debate that these are lies, and they are the worst kinds of lies, and they destroy lives. That's not debatable whatsoever. And it is time once and for all, just like this article does, as Todd pointed out, it is time once and for all, pull no punch, uh, spare no adjective, call balls and strikes. Back in a moment. here on the blaze i'm steve day say are you thinking of buying or selling a home this year i have done this uh, a couple different times and we were blessed well the first time our real estate agent wasn't that great uh the next time we did this uh we went on a recommendation and he was um i mean scott was phenomenal i, I still see scott at the local grocery store uh local you know our kids do youth sporting events in the same league uh even with a good agent though it's highly stressful. If you're buying, you know, and it's a buyer's market um, and that one neighborhood only has so many openings that you want to get into, that can be stressful. If you're selling, you got to have to have your home ready to be shown like on the clock all the time. If you're trying to do it, burning that candle at both ends. Wow. I hopefully will never have to do that ever again. Um, but I might be willing to do it for Texas. If that were to come about, I'm going to check out uh, real estate agents I trust. That's uh, Glenn Beck's company. Him and some of his friends started this a few years ago because they were tired of real estate agents that talked a good game, but then in the end couldn't deliver the results when it mattered. Now, what sets real estate agents I trust apart from other referral services is those are usually set up to help real estate agents find clients, people like people like you. In this case, though, this is set up to find help people like you find the right agent. So we are kind of putting the power where it belongs, the leverage where it belongs with you, the customer. So if you want to sell your home fast and for the right price or buy a home fast and for the right price, do it with the team at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, back here on the Dace Group, but Todd, Aaron, and Shannon are here with us this Friday. Let's get to issue two. Good night, Saigon. And in those prisons and those camps, you have a lot of people. 
And some really bad things happened to Otto. Some really, really bad things. Why, why are you? But he tells me he tells me that he didn't know about it, and I will take him at his word. Really, he's got a great personality. He's a you know funny guy. He's a very smart guy. He's a great negotiator. He's a character. He loves his people. Not that I'm surprised by that, but he loves his people. He was and laughing a, and a lot. He's, he's a he's a real personality, and he's very smart. He's sharp as you can be, and he's a real leader. And he's uh, pretty mercurial. I'm, I'm a very stable genius. We'll see what happens. Again, the relationship is very good. His country does love him. His people, you see the fervor. They have a great fervor. Very smart, very good negotiator. Wants to do the right thing. He wants to do the right thing. And then we fell in love. Okay. No, really. He wrote me beautiful letters, and they're great letters. We fell in love. The relationship was really good. He, you know, it built. And I talked about early on in the relationship and the feeling. Well, we had a very good feel right from the beginning. Some people say, "Oh, you shouldn't like him." I said, "Why shouldn't I like him? I like him. Get along great. We'll see what happens." saying what's he like he's got a very good personality he's funny and he's very very smart he's a great negotiator by the way the uh warm ba family i want to call this up have it on my facebook wall uh they released a statement uh, today uh, Fred and Cindy uh, Warmbier, who accepted the president's invitation to be his guest at the state of, his first State of the Union last year, um, in response to the president saying, "Hey, I don't think they killed their. I don't think uh, the North Koreans killed uh, their son." I asked Kim Jong Un. He told me he didn't know anything about it, and I believe him. That's pretty much what he said, right? Almost yep. verbatim. Okay. Fred and Cindy Warmbier, quote: "We have been respectful during this summit process. Now we must speak out." Kim and his evil regime are responsible for the death of our son, Otto. Kim and his evil regime are responsible for unimaginable cruelty and inhumanity. No excuses or lavish praise can change that. Thank you. So on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being as laughable as communist Van Jones speaking at CPAC, and 10 being as heroic as the Alamo, rate President Trump's dalliance with North Korea. Todd, I'll start with you. Steve, I haven't been as harsh on him over the course of the entire Trump presidency as you have on this matter. Not because I haven't wondered what the hell is going on, but I, he's just so mercurial on so many and on other issues. I'll be harder on him. The, but here uh, with what he, the lack of self-awareness on handling uh, the murder of Otto, uh, this belongs in the uh, Obama Benghazi Hall of Fame of presidential embarrassments. And the simple fact of the matter is that Benghazi was one of the primary reasons why I ultimately held my nose and begrudgingly, begrudgingly voted uh, for Mitt Romney. Well, I, I've got to have a equal standard that I apply to my entire... We talk about that all the time on this show. And this 
is putting Donald Trump very much in the you can stick it where the sun don't shine and you're not going to get my vote here in 2020 if you run, no matter how bad things are getting, because you're just an unreliable fiend. Shame on you, man. Shame on you. If you recall last year before the first summit, I was okay with it when a lot of people weren't. I'm, you know, because I've talked to all kinds of people who I don't like. Sometimes it's worked out. Sometimes it has not. And he had actually gotten some, uh, uh, some other prisoners released. Yeah. Um, they had, there had been some positive steps toward normalization between North and South Korea, which by the way, notice those things came on the heel of him ridiculing Kim Jong-un. Notice those things came on the heel of him rhetorically taking a much stronger hand with him. Did you, have you noticed that? Okay. And that's why I was willing to say, hey, let's, let's play this out and let's see what happens. It's when they went there, when they went to Singapore and did the event and he um, just fawned all over him at an, at an embarrassingly, le- at an embarrassing level and then abandoned all of his tough talk, got no concessions really whatsoever. And this is now continued. When was that? That was last May or June was the first um, June. Yeah. June. Okay. So for the next nine months, it's just got, gotten increasingly more emasculating and embarrassing. So just to clarify, heading into the first summit, I was actually okay with seeing what could happen because we had actually gotten some results from North Korea before the first summit. If you go back and listen in, uh, to our archives, you'll see that. But the summit itself we did with them was a colossal embarrassment. And now it's just gotten even more embarrassing. And then to stand up there and exonerate Kim Jong-un based solely on his word. I, I, I'm, I, I don't care how you vote. Just sometimes some things are bigger than this. And this family deserves more than this from their president. And so do the American people. And you shouldn't hesitate to say so. And it doesn't matter. And, and you, you are free to think for yourself don't, don't be a member of the group think we just condemned on the other side. It is perfectly okay to say, you know what, man, I like him on this, this and that more than then when I'm offered. So I, that's okay. And, it, you know, um, if your kids behave this way, would you, would you criticize them for it? Would you, would you punish them? Would you hold them accountable? So you're going to tell us that you love Trump more than your kids? Come on, man. Don't be in a cult. All right? Cults suck. Okay. This is bad, and there is absolutely no justification for it on any level whatsoever. And frankly, I think it is some of the most embarrassing behavior by a president I have seen in my lifetime. Shannon, your thoughts? I think I think that this exposes a level of depravity in Donald Trump that I, I kind of always knew was there. But that, that I, he didn't need to do this. This is what has, and I, I'll tell you, there are... It is a rare event that I truly begin to feel like I despise someone, but President Trump's engagement with Kim Jong-un, and I've been, I mean, I have been all over this for the past two years, even after the first summit, especially when we realized that North Korea had done nothing to reduce their nuclear program. In fact, they were expanding their nuclear program, according to Trump's own national security experts. And so, you know, the first round was a failure for the the, the fact that the president would double down on the fawning and establishing this decrepit character as as a, a world leader and a good person when he doesn't have to. Right. You can negotiate with North Korea without the fawning and the, you know, emasculating behavior and, and the lies about this tyrannical dictator. But even larger than 
than President Trump, you know, this really exposed the the state of our conservative media. The fact that Sean Hannity moved the entire operation down to Vietnam. And I don't know about you guys, but the, you know, uh, the Hanoi Sean on the back of a motorbike with a, a Vietnamese driver. Well, I mean, it was all, you know. Just to show you how tuned out I am for most of conservative media. I didn't was, even know about this. I'm hearing about this for the first time. I, I don't even know. I don't, I don't follow, watch most well, of it. Hannity, I monitor them. So Hannity and Sean, it was basically a three-day propaganda effort where they told their audiences that we were going to get the best deal in the history of the world. They said nothing about the president's statement about Kim Jong-un. They never mentioned the truth about the situation for Christians in Vietnam, which is disgusting. Um, you and I, I think, were uh, among some of the only conservatives even mentioning that. I was posting um, all the, all about the conditions that Christians are, are facing in in um, North Korea. Nothing was addressed by Limbaugh or Sean, and they were telling their audiences this was going to be the best deal in the history of the world. You know, Donald Trump was going to achieve peace, and they have egg all over their face. I mean, when he walked out of the room, it really exposed them. And I think actually they should probably take a a, a lesson from Cohen's testimony in understanding that this president will drop you in a hot second and betray because they had to. Now, now Russia's talking about how awful North Korea is and how awful Kim Jong Un is, but they weren't over the past couple of days. So this just, it exposes, it exposes depravity in, in President Trump, but also a really sick, sick conservative media that is, is really leading their audiences down a wrong path. The whole thing was just despicable to me. So Aaron, apparently we're talking about lactating men for a second consecutive segment. Your turn. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'm just seeing something that's coming. Yeah. This is just reported from NBC news that the U S has agreed to end large-scale military drills with South Korea. The move is part of Trump administration's effort to ease tensions with North Korea. What? So that's cool. That's from NBC News. Again, be skeptical about everything. This entire um, episode, what have you, I, I used to think that maybe the baseline expectation from most Americans was that our presidents, I don't care if you don't cut taxes. I don't care if you... Um, you know, don't uh, go to the high places and tear down, uh, tear down the high places. Just don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass our country. Just don't do that. And I remember I, I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh all the time. And when o President Obama went on his apology tour shortly after he was elected, I'm pretty sure Rush Limbaugh got about two weeks worth of shows out of ripping Obama for that, because it seems like that's all I remember from around that time was just the apology tour and ripping on that the whole time. Uh, we posted a video of you criticizing Trump's words regarding Otto Warmbier. Every last one of these comments, there's 187 comments on here. It's like the entirety of the cult of Trump came after you. There is no attempt at all, and maybe it was maybe I should have, you know, lied to them in the headline about what it was what they were about to watch. Maybe they would have had a different reaction. Um, I just don't. I don't see that anymore and again we shouldn't conflate trump's cult with um americans at large and i i think maybe we should draw a distinction there and maybe most americans still who are not on twitter who are not active on social media in regards to the political world maybe they still just want to be a president i'll give them the benefit of the doubt maybe they just want a president that won't embarrass them but what that was was completely embarrassing i told todd 
and I've told them now a couple of times. Earlier this week, what's been going on with the Iowa Hawkeye Athletic Department, I told him, man, I'm whenever it is that I get married, I, I hope I find a wife who's fine with not being able to have kids because that's I just I think those things have struck me impotent. And between that and the Trump South or North Korea summit. I I really hope that God has got an especially special woman for me because I just, I'm not sure. Brought to you by Lactating Men. Yeah. Uh, exit question. Will there be a, a third Trump-Un summit before the 2020 election, yes or no? I say yes. Shannon, yes or no? No. Aaron? If Allah hates us. Please don't let there be a third summit. Um, quickly, let's get to uh, issue three, the Sinister Six. My name is Gianna Jessen, and I would like to thank you so much for the opportunity to testify here today. My biological mother was seven and a half months pregnant when she went to a Planned Parenthood and was advised, and they advised her to have a late-term saline abortion. This method of abortion burns the baby inside and out, blinding and suffocating the child, who is then born dead, usually within... 24 hours, and there should be a photo <laughs> there. Yes, this is what I survived. Instead of dying, after 18 hours of being burned in my mother's womb, I was delivered alive in an abortion clinic in Los Angeles on April the 6th, 1977. You can see a photo as well of my medical records. Um, my medical records state, born alive during saline abortion, 6 a.m. Ha! <laughs> Victory! Thankfully, the abortionist was not at work yet. Had he been there, he would have ended my life with strangulation, suffocation, or leaving me there to die. Instead, a nurse called an ambulance, and I was rushed to a hospital. Doctors did not expect me to live. I did. I was later diagnosed with cerebral palsy, which was caused by a lack of oxygen to my brain while surviving an abortion. I was never supposed to hold up my head or walk. I do. It's a portion of some testimony that took place in the uh, Senate before the uh, Ben Sass's Born Alive Act earlier this week. And understand, after hearing this testimony... Um, that was in 2015. Oh, it was 2015. I'm sorry. Um all right, then I am completely confused about where we are. Then you take it, because I don't know where we're at. Go ahead. Well, we don't have very much time left. But uh, yeah, that was basically 44 senators this week voted that Gianna Jessen, they, they think Gianna Jessen should have never been able to give that testimony Got it. back okay. in 2015. All right. So what happened is we had to shorten the intro because we're running short on time. Gotcha. Okay, that's where I got confused. Plus, I was totally distracted by the guy sitting there chomping at his gum behind the woman as she's talking about being burned born alive, whether she was going to be strangulated or not. Um, let's get to quickly to the exit question because we're basically out of time. If the impact of this issue, this vote to kill these uh, children, like the woman you just saw, if the impact of this issue on the 2020 election were a Led Zeppelin song, which Led Zeppelin song would it be? Ramble on, When the Levee Breaks, No Quarter, or The Lemon Song? What do you think, Todd? When the Levee Breaks. You think it'll have a big impact on the election? Yeah, I have to pray it does. Okay. What do you think, Shannon? I sadly have to say ramble on. I don't think that this is going to have an impact. Mm. Aaron? Yeah, it's ramble on. All right. Predictions quickly. Todd, go. 
I think this Korea stuff is actually more of a sign that Donald Trump is likely not to run for president in 2020, and he's just opening up business markets. Wow. Shannon. Wow. Wow. Um, Van Jones will replace Sean Hannity as Fox News um, as the new voice of the right. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Aaron. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs, within the next two weeks, will uh, uh, cut and trade uh, Justin Houston. Looking at his Texas polling numbers, my prediction is Beta O'Rourke is going to be on the Democrats' national ticket in 2020. That's too enticing, I think, for them to pass that up, his popularity there. And it's just a matter of whether he's at the top or the bottom of the ticket. But minimum, I think, he is the running mate at a minimum. The chance to force Republicans to at the very least have to defend Texas and deflect major resources there. I, I, I think with his popularity, I, I don't think the Democrats, they're good. That's too enticing, I think, for them to pass up. You're nodding your head. You agree? I agree, which makes it all the more likely that it's going to be a woman who's running as the, at the front of the ticket. Shannon, good to have you with us. Thanks for joining us here this week. We appreciate it as always. Thank, thank you. Thanks, All right, when we come back, uh, hour two, uh, today's Truth Bomb, as well as uh, some Feedback Friday. Stay tuned. And we're back with hour two of the Steve Day Show live and on demand on The Blaze. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. Hey, if you're listening to us today via podcast, thank you. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you to all of you that have already done so. 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Last name for those of you listening on the podcast or uh, via Blaze Radio, D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Homeowners beware, a data breach just exposed 24 million of you to home title fraud. That's a crime that could cost you your home. So if you've got a mortgage, a refi, or a home equity line of credit through a major bank, this breach may have put you at risk of losing all of your equity you've built up in your home, maybe even the home itself, because these thieves, these scammers now have uh, identifiable uh, verification information uh, from you that they could log on to a county recorder or accessor site because all of our home information is online now. Uh, forge a signature. They know now your checking account number, last four digits of a SOCH, middle initial, maiden name, whatever it is that's the trigger for you to verify your identity. They now have that information through uh, this data breach. And your bank won't protect you from this uh, and neither does uh, insurance or even an identity theft program. But for pennies a day, Home Title Lock will. Um, you need to check it out now uh, and see if your home is already uh, targeted or vulnerable. And you can find out for free at HomeTitleLock.com. This is normally a $100 value, but it's a free title scan and report for our family here today at The Blaze at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Let's get to today's Truth Bomb. Uh, brought to you by my new book, Truth Bombs. Confronting the lies conservatives believe to our own demise. Now with sound effects. I like that. Thanks to Ron. Yeah, that makes it sound so much more official now. Appreciate it. You can pick up uh, your copy right now at Amazon or bookstores anywhere, but... Uh, I I really need you to go to Amazon because that's what my publisher wants me to tell you. All right, so uh, please go there now. And uh, my kids want you to go there too. 
do it for the children, mine. Uh, and and if you've had a chance to read the book, if you don't mind leaving us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Thank you to all of you that have already done so. So we're going to tie this into Feedback Friday, where we get into your emails and responses to us. Because I, I, I'm getting this letter a lot, uh, or a derivative of it. And it, it goes a little something like this. This, this version is from S.P. Garrett who says, so Steve, I've heard several times in your show now that not only is the enemy at the gates, they are actually inside the gates. So as an American, someone who has defended my country because I truly do love it and seeing it be dismantled at the foundational level on a daily basis, what exactly do I do? I'm fairly intelligent, but the waters have become so murky around me, I'm not sure which direction it is to the surface. You seem to have a very firm grasp on the ills of the nation at the present time. I'm more of a student of history. Is there at least a firm direction that you could point me towards? I currently feel you know, useless as I sit here and watch this grand palace around me crumbling. The quote that this, this, the, the quote, the surest way for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing keeps ringing in my head like um, to the point of almost driving me insane. As I watch this pointless and these pointless and exhausting cable news networks spew out the same back and forth crap over and over, I swear sometimes I could watch a recording of those shows from a year ago and the same one from yesterday and have no idea which is which. There's some discernment right there. Any advice, opinion, or fact that would be greatly appreciated? Thank you. God bless. Keep up the good fight and keep it going, S.B. Garrett. So I'm getting this question a lot of what we can do. And and I, I we try and have always tried it. Tried it. We've, uh, we've always tried it to learn English. Uh, and we've always tried to make application a, a, a huge part of our show. There's a problem with that, though, sometimes. That on a macro level, there is not a platform. I, I wish this weren't true. You know, our friends over at the Daily Wire ran a story yesterday about this massive shift in attitudes Americans have on the pro-life issue since the whole late-term abortion uh, debate has raged with what's gone on in New York and Virginia and Vermont. But the reality is, unless there's a mechanism by which those people can, can act on their shift in attitude, do you know how much their shift in attitude ultimately means? Almost nothing on a macro level. Almost nothing. I mean, the vast majority of Americans think we ought to have a secure border. But right now, they don't really have a platform to act on that. You know, so it's harder for me on a macro level to have an application because most of my application throughout my career involved intra-party activism within the Republican Party in order to help us create this kind of a platform. And I spent a decade doing it and won nothing and lost ground comprehensively. If you read Truth Bombs, you get to the conclusion. That's why I'm in, that's that's the number one reason I'm an advocate of the Convention of States. Because I, I don't see another mainstream method to people like us having a, a, a macro platform to have our grievances heard. And notice a Convention of States requires us to create this platform ourselves, which only reinforces my contention no such platform exists. I mean, what, is, what Mitch McConnell gave us the vote on late-term abortion, born alive. What are they going to, what have they done since? 
What are they going to do with it now that they have the vote? Are they, they're going to run commercials next year on it. What else? What else are they going to do? We're still going to fund Planned Parenthood for the next seven months. Isn't one of their doctors out there saying today, flat out, that if a child survives an abortion like in this bill, they would just snap its neck? Isn't that? I think the Blaze actually has that story out there today. They would just kill it, murder it, like we told you they would. But here's the thing. If there is no macro platform for us to lawfully act, act in a somewhat orderly fashion, that doesn't excuse us from doing good. So as I, as I saw that this was literally like the 50th time I've gotten an email like this in the last month, I put together a list of things we could all do, every one of us, whether you have a job like mine, whether you are disabled, retired, young, energetic, vibrant, healthy, wherever you're at in life, we can all do these things. And, and, and I think if we all worked towards the goal of doing these things from the bottom up, I don't know how it wouldn't have an impact for good. So there's just five. There, I could come up with more, but I didn't want to make it too laborious. Easy to remember. These are five things we can all do. Number one, get right with God. Know him, love him, pursue him, follow him. I mean, this is where our rights come from, from God, where our life comes from, where truth comes from, where purpose comes from. We can all do that. Regardless of where we're at in life, what our socioeconomic status is, what our employment status is, we can all do that. All do that. Get to know the author of the universe better. Only good things come of that. For you, the people in your life and your sphere of influence because of, of what that, how that relationship will then change you for the better, they will reap the benefit of that as well. Number two, get right with your family. Love them. Make peace with them when you can. When at all possible. Live in, live in peace with one another. Bury as many hatchets as you possibly can. Now, here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean a member of my family has gone off the moral reservation and is on the crazy train um, and has told me, unless I endorse this and participate in it, then we have no relationship. That's not what it means. We just did a Theology Thursday yesterday. Who's the authority in any relationship? Who's the authority? God. God. Okay. So you are not allowed to disobey him and violate your relationship with him for the sake of a human relationship. That's not how this works. But short of that, short of that, we have enough spite. Bury as many hatchets as you possibly can. Make peace as much as you possibly can. Save conflict and warfare for irreconcilable differences. And your ego and my ego and their ego is not an irreconcilable difference. That's sin, okay? So, and you'll notice, by the way, there's a, there's a theme here. Jesus, what are, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second greatest is just like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Notice that we started there. I didn't just make that up. I'm a plagiarist, okay? Let's start there. 
Imagine if we as individual people had a better relationship with our maker. And then if our families, which is the most basic form of government of human existence, if they were better, stronger, imagine how much of a positive impact that would have just in and of itself. But let's not stop there. Number three, pray. Uh, just a lot about everything you can. Especially for those that are lost. And especially, especially for those that are lost that have the power to impose their lostness on you and everyone else. Pray more often. So for your enemies. Yeah. Pray more often. And by the way, when, when, when your enemies have dug in their heel, it's perfectly biblical to pray for their removal. We had whole chapters, whole Psalms. There's an old stained glass window word called imprecatory prayers. Those are okay too. Okay. You know, now, um, mercy triumphs over judgment. I mean, God proved at the cross that we err on the side of redemption. But the reason that the cross is required is because not everyone will accept God's gift. So even if you want bad leaders removed, bad influences toppled, when you pray for those things, you're making sure your motivation is true justice, not vengeance. So pray a lot. Pray a lot more. Number four, educate yourself and others. Do you know why you believe what you believe? Do you know why others believe what they believe? You know, like the viewpoints and ideologies you don't agree with. Do you know where they're coming from? Do you know why they have these views? And then do you know why others believe uh, what they believe about what we believe? Do you know the answer to that? Because that's where you start persuading hearts and minds when you know that. So get smarter, wiser. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. Get wiser. Click on the links about your favorite politicians you don't want to click on and read them. Maybe they're right. Be willing to test the spirits, including your own. I mean, Aaron, you were just telling us that there's over 100 comments on my criticism of Trump on North Korea. And, yeah, I didn't even watch the video. Yeah, and, and if, if, if Barack Obama had said the exact same things about North Korea— Still wouldn't watch the video. And Otto Warmbier, all those same people would still not watch the video. It's just their, their comments would be 180 degrees different. Don't do that. I can promise you we're not going to out-cult the left, guys. We, we can't. They're a cult in, in their very essence. It's their, it's their foundation. Ours is the stone the builders have rejected. Theirs is a stone of their own construction. It's a cult intentionally because it's an instrument of deception. We're not going to out-cult them. We're not going to out-non-critically think them. We're not going to out-sloganeer them. We're not going to out-shallow them. We're not going to out-moral relativist them. I can promise you we can't do it. Even if we were to try, 
And by trying, all we would do is further help them inject more poison into the cultural bloodstream. What's poison times poison? What's it get us, Todd? Just more poison. Yeah, what is zero times zero, Aaron? Zero. Zero. So this isn't an effective tactic. Being able to step on the necks of their shibboleths, being able to pull their pants down, because you know, you know their lies better than they do, because they're so deceived, many of them don't even know what they're saying is a scam. That's a far more effective tactic. Critical thinking, accountability, logic are our friends. Reason is our friend. Objective truth is our friend. But we're not going to out-tribalistic them. I can promise you that. You can't out-cult a cult. And they're the original cult, man. Like Genesis 3. You be like God kind of stuff. You're not going to out-cult that. I can promise you. So get smarter, wiser. Finally, number five, activate. Take your love of God, your love of your family, the knowledge you've acquired, the wisdom you've acquired, and apply it to at least one worthwhile cause in whatever free time you have. In other words, serve. You serve your, you, you, I would assume if you're going to a local church, you really believe it has you and your families and your community's best interest at heart. If you're going to a, if you're going to church somewhere you wouldn't recommend to somewhere somebody else, stop going there. Yeah, I said it. Like if one of your if one of your unreligious or spiritual seeking friends or family members said, "Hey, I'm thinking of going to church. What about yours?" and you wouldn't right away recommend it, stop going. Don't go back. Don't ever walk dark in the door ever again. Go somewhere else. Now, if you're going to one of those places you're proud to recommend to other people, do you serve there at all? When they send out the note, hey, we need someone, we're short a coach for the girls' soccer team league or the boys' uh, wrestling team or football team, we're short a coach. Are you willing to step in? You might be the best influence a lot of those boys are going to get or girls for that matter. Serve. Take your knowledge, your gifts, your freedom, and find something. All of us can do this on some level, regardless of our physical or mental or emotional state. Years ago, I was asked to go and speak to a nursing home here in town by a good friend of ours from our small group who managed the place. And, you know, I go in and a lot of these are veterans. whose families have kind of just left them there. And I'm, this was 10 years ago, man. I'm 35 years old. I'm like, what am I going to say? And I said this to our friend. I'm, and I said to her, what, what am I going to say to these guys? I've got three young kids at home. My career is just getting started. I mean, the, <laughs> the ebbs and flows of, I've never seen war. I mentioned a lot of these are veterans. The ebbs and flow of life that they have already been around this track four or five times. I'm on my first lap and I haven't finished it yet. What am I going to say to these guys? And my routine, when I, when I get asked to go speak somewhere, and I even do it before I do a show like this one every day. I go find the corner stall in the men's room, man. 
and I get prayed up. So if, if you think this thing's on shaky ground now, imagine what would happen if I didn't do that. If I just came in here on my own <laughs> will and power all the time. Um, and so I go find the men's room uh, at this nursing home. I go in there to get all prayed up. And, you know, I'm just like seeking something to say that's worthwhile. And she asked me to come and speak because a lot of these guys, you know, they sit around listening to the radio all day long or watching cable news. And, and the, radio, the radio station a lot of them listen to was the station I was on. And they've listened to it most of their lives because that station has such a huge pivotal role in the culture of Iowa, WHO. And I, I walked out of, this, out, of, out of the stall. It's time for me to speak. And I'm looking at these men and I'm, and, I'm, and, my, and I'm thinking to myself, what were they like 25, 30, 40 years ago? Was that guy just a total badass? I mean, that guy saved somebody's life on a battlefield. Was that guy a cop? You know what I'm saying? I mean, because what I'm looking at now, physically on the outside, the shell looks like a shell of what maybe this group of men were. And maybe a couple of them, the reason their families don't come is because they broke those relationships and now they're paying the freight for those decisions. And I just felt like this was a group of men that needed to be inspired. Didn't need a 30-minute talk. They needed something. And I went in there and I spoke to these men and here's what I said to them. If you have breath in your body, if you have a synapse firing in your brain, then I can promise you, I don't know what it may be. It may be as, it may be as simple as you need to repair the relationship with your son or daughter. And that's why they don't come here. It might be something more momentous than that. I don't know. But I can promise you God is a God of order and not random chance. So if you are sitting here right now and you are still among the living, it's because God isn't done with you yet. And I would urge every last one of you to figure out what that is. Seek and search what that is and finish your race to the end. Now, I didn't want to just speak for two minutes because I thought that'd be disrespectful. So I found a way to make that like a 10, 15 minute talk. I was shocked at the reaction in this room. Men 30, 40 years older than me suddenly sitting up straight in their chairs. Because when was the last time someone told them they're worth something? They're, something's expected of them. You have responsibility unfulfilled that you must fulfill. Your job's not done here yet. And this group of men, there was about 20 of them, it said not a word to me when I walked in. And I don't blame them. I had just begun my weight loss journey. So I walked in there almost weighing 400 pounds. I can see why. They're like, really? We're doing this again? Okay. They invited me to breakfast. I was there for almost an, an hour and a half after I got done hanging out with those guys. 
because they just wanted someone. Kick their butt a little bit. Inspire them a little bit. Invest in them a little bit. Tell them that you may think every bridge with your kid is burned, but it's not. I'm the age of your sons. I don't really have a dad. And I know what it's like not to have that, to miss out on that. Trust me, no matter how mad you have made them, justifiably or not, they'd like to have a dad back. You're the man. You're the dad. Initiative is always on you. Take responsibility. Make the call. It was like this. It was like a, it was like, remember the movie Cocoon? (laughs) From when we were kids? It was like that. It was like this room just like came alive. Well, that would be my message to all of you. Do something. Listen to us. I I shouldn't say this, but I will. I don't know. Maybe it takes listening to us one less day a week or on a podcast because where you're called to serve is right now. That's why we have on demand. But do something. Activate. And maybe the message here is maybe what we're watching is we're watching a lot of the the macro mechanisms we've trusted in. And let's be honest, one of the reasons we trusted in them is so that we could justify doing all kinds of other frivolous things with our our time. Well, I voted Republican. I went to church on Sunday. I checked the box. That's one of the reasons we do this. Let's be honest. So that I can then go and justify, you know, whatever. And, and, Frivolity is okay. I mean, we have, we have a God that initially legislated a rest day. <laughs> Frivolity is okay. But it is not, it is, it is meant to be a rest, a break from the responsibility we have, not a replacement for it, not a substitute for it. So go do something. Go serve something. Even if it's something like, you know, my daughter Zoe volunteered at the Night to Shine Tim Tebow Foundation thing they do for mentally disabled, the proms they put on all over the country. Church we go to is is one of the places that did that. She had a time of her life. Loved it. There's some some place where you can help someone else. You know, bring you more meaning, purpose, and motivation that might not right now, maybe you're currently lacking. All of these are five things, all five of them, all of us can do. If you were in the sound of my voice right now, we can all do those things. Nothing's stopping us. And maybe... Maybe the reason that some of the the big picture mechanisms are being shut off now, no matter, it just seems like no matter what we do, we we just can't make these doors open. Maybe it's because we have forgotten and we're being prompted to remember that it's these things here 
that are much more important in the grand scheme of things and do much more to determine what kind of life we live here on this earth, what kind of legacy we leave behind when we leave it, than these big picture, big ticket items up here. We've talked about this before. I mean, through his prophets, God even said to his people when they were being punished, when they were put in captivity, go make babies, raise your kids, have crops, marry off your sons and daughters. Accept your punishment, yes, but still live, enjoy even in your current state. Enjoy the blessings you get for being my people. That's kind of the theme I'm kind of trying to touch on here a little bit. Todd, what do you think? That'll preach, brother. Um, I would just add this. Be ready. Uh, You don't get to always pick your moments. Go out and do exactly as Steve said. Find something to get involved in. But sometimes life, and it's increasingly going to happen, is just going to find you. The moment is going to be there. And choosing in that moment, you won't have much time. You're going to feel like Wonder Woman wandering into no man's land. On some level, you just because this is, I don't, I'm not up for this. I can't handle this. I'm not good at this, whatever. But it's the moment you're called to. Now, Steve and I, it, we do what we do. And Aaron here, we do, we're more naturally comfortable. I was comfortable doing this kind of thing before I was, um, uh, in, before a camera like this. It's, but it, it, it's, that does, it's not really the comfort thing that it, we, we've gone and looked for too many fights. We had to learn to make sure to pick the right battles. But y- you are being called in that moment. To do something. And one of my favorite lines in any movie I've ever heard is at the end of the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where he comes back out and the professor finds him, what were you doing in the wardrobe? Peter says, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And he said, try me. That moment is begging you to try it. And God needs you and he's calling you to it. Be ready. Yeah, I would add one thing six times to that list, and in between each of your bullet points, I would add check your motivations before and after each one of those those things, because you may ask, well, how can you get right with God with bad motivations? If you come to this from the standpoint of, uh, we need to save America, so I'm going to do these five simple steps to do so, that's a wrong motivation. Um, if you come to these with the realization that I'm a wretch, uh, in need of saving, in need of getting right with my Savior, um, you will naturally end up with that first thing, and then you'll be on the path for all the others. We'll come back. More Feedback Friday here on The Blaze in a moment. Stay tuned. It is nice to stand with people who are taking a stand like Miss Victoria Hurst, and she is standing up to her own family. Uh, she is uh, part of the William Randolph Hearst family. Well, of course, he's one of the great tycoons, great success stories in American history. One of her family's properties is Cosmopolitan Magazine, and she is uh, disturbed to see that it's always been a bit edgy, but now it's just flat out going pornographic, despite the fact it is 
in pretty much every supermarket uh, checkout aisle in the country. So it's easily accessible and marketed to daughters like Todd's, mine, yours. She'd like uh, her parents, uh, her family's company to do something about that. And she's asking us to lend our voice to hers, uh, which is essentially this. If you guys want to produce content like Playboy or Penthouse, fine. Uh, but uh, you should be shielded from minors like magazines such as those currently are. If you agree... Uh, lend your voice uh, to hers at CosmoHurtsKids.com. That's CosmoHurtsKids.com, and it's spelled H-U-R-T-S, H-U-R-T-S in this case, CosmoHurtsKids.com. Let's get back to Feedback Friday here on the show. Uh, this is from Carl Clark, who says, you've been advocating since the George W. Bush years uh, and before and, and during the uh, first Iraq War or the second Iraq War, for what amounts to an energy moonshot. After seeing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez using much of the same language to hype her new Green New Deal, I'm interested in your thoughts. I believe this is another in a countless series of blunders by the Republicans and even conservatives to take hold of and advocate policy. Again, by the perpetual passivity and not pursuing policy and casting a vision, Republicans cede further ground. This has allowed the Democrats to step in and cast bad policy, co-opting the hopeful language that could have been used to advocate good policy. Knowing this is a topic you've put some thought into over the many years listening to your show, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you, Carl. Well, first of all, just for those of you that are wondering, uh, what Carl's referencing uh, back in the beginning of my news talk days. I always wondered why, you know, in response to the Soviets beating us into space, Kennedy essentially laid down a marker and said, uh, you know, I don't know how we're going to make it happen. But by the end of this decade, we're going to do what they think is impossible. We're going to put a man on the moon. We are not going to cede this ground um, uh, to the Soviet Union. We're not going to do it. And, and I wanted George W. Bush at the time, after 9-11, to be the president that essentially said, I don't know how we're going to do this, but in a decade, we are going to remove the leverage foreign oil has over us. We've got enough of a, of a we have enough of an incentive, we have enough brain power, we have enough economic power to make that happen. Now, the difference is I want us to pursue new technologies in order to maintain our current state of freedom and maybe even hopefully and prosperity and maybe even hopefully um, improve upon it. What, what the likes of Ocasio-Cortez are pursuing is, is a reimagining of our way of life, not a defense of it. So right away, the motivations here are totally different. And you can see, how, how can I tell? Well, you can see in the fact that she is proud of killing what would have been a huge economic boost to her own home state of New York. I think I read yesterday that Governor Cuomo made a personal appeal to Jeff Bezos at Amazon to reconsider. Uh, they're walking away uh, from the state. So she's not interested in new energy technologies as much as she is interested in defeating capitalism. She's Bernie Sanders going to the Soviet Union while it's on its last legs in 1988 when it's literally, literally two years away from a complete collapse. 
and and talking about uh, their high speed rail system and how how great their youth programs are. That that's this is dogmatic to her. I'm simply being pragmatic. One way to uh, make yourself less of a target to evildoers is to remove their leverage over you. And the only leverage they really have over us is oil. Israel's not a leverage point, it's a partnership. For spiritual, not to mention geopolitical reasons, we have all kinds of incentives to stand with Israel. But what what empowers these nations to oppose Israel? Oil. Take away their, their oil leverage and... These are, these are a collection of blank hole countries, largely. I mean, take, take away their oil leverage and they're still gladly living, Bedouins living in the 7th century, guys. One of the things I advocated for at this time, along this line of conversation, is that we would send our refinery technology to Iraq while occupying the country, pump the poop of that oil, pump, pump the poop of that oil out of the ground, man. Flood the market with it. Cap what we would sell for $50 a barrel and would only be sold to our allies that helped us take Iraq and Saddam down, the coalition of the willing. And we would form essentially an economy of scale to compete with OPEC. And we don't have to deal with you anymore. We, we don't care what you guys do over there. We have our own. Thanks. Give all of the money for the sale of that oil back to the Iraqi people because it's their resource and essentially bribe them with it and give them the resources, the Kickstarter resources to create a commodity-based economy that would allow them to actually create a middle class and would buy their loyalty to the United States because we're the ones that did it. We don't really, we don't, we don't, we don't need the profits to their oil. We're, we're the richest nation in the history of planet earth. We just want cheap Petro. That's what we want. They can have all the profits. We just want the cheap petrol because that's what's largely fueling our economy. And in exchange, we create a little Guantanamo Bay in Iraq so that the next time, you know, one of these Islamists gets squirrely, they're just going to wake up tomorrow. We don't need to do a three-month mobilization or six months, you know, Iraqi. No, 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 no. It's going to wake up tomorrow and, oh my goodness, a province of Saudi Arabia literally disappeared. How did that happen? Uh, because we happen. That's why. Now, does that sound anything at all like what Ocasio-Cortez is peddling to you? No. no she wants to make you weak because she thinks that's, she thinks we as a people in our way of life are why these Bedouin cultures in this part, of, and, and these don't have the freedom and prosperity we do. Why um, these blank hole countries are blank hole countries. So her motivations are totally different than mine. And if we had, we had gone down some of these roads and pursued these things 15 years ago or 10 years ago when I was talking about this, would we be any, would we be any worse off than we currently are? Not to mention, would the country be even listening to people like Bernie Sanders and Ocasio-Cortez if we had done those things? That's kind of what Carl is also alluding to in his note. Because we have not been forward thinking, we have opened the door for... Uh, these old ideas, which are not new, to be repackaged as progressivism that have already failed in history. And now people are like, because they've been dumbed down in the schools, they're like, oh, wow, this sounds so neat. Yeah, guaranteed income. How come we never thought about this? 
I don't know, ask all the people that used to be making $10 an hour at McDonald's in Seattle. They don't have jobs now because they asked for 15 and the company can't afford that. Ask them what they think about whether about these new newfangled ideas. Ask them what they think about those. You guys want to chime in on that whatsoever? Well, a guy I know uh, once wrote a book called Without a Vision, The People Perish. Was it, do you know that guy? Sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's 29 book sales. We sold 29, about 29 copies yeah. of that book. Yeah. Well, maybe people need to go back in the Wayback Machine because that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about uh, vision casting. I said a couple days ago, oh, what we're lacking is a failure of imagination. S- same thing. Uh, I mean, we, we were just wandering around with no real sense of purpose that puts a flag in the ground and says, yeah, 10 years from now, this is getting done. Just like Steve started. In the movie about uh, Apollo 13, uh, um, Ed Harris's character is like, okay, this is what we need to do. And the guys start bickering and he says, guys, this is what we're doing. It's going to happen. You're going to do it. That takes a leap of faith. It takes uh, imagination. It takes vision. If you don't have that, that's all you got. And that's all we have right now. My only reaction to hearing that is if that was energy policy and that was 15 years ago that you were had, you had this idea and this is where we are now, um, think of all the other things that we haven't been imaginative or mm-hmm. forward thinking about for the last 15 years. I said this three weeks ago, I think it was. Um, it was, yeah, 15 years ago, 15 years ago. We would have been prepping for the Dace group saying, okay, do we really want to do another show about, is there really weapons of mass destruction in Iraq? Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Do we really want to do another show on, you know, can uh, fill in the blank representative or senator? Is he actually a real conservative? Is this piece of legislation actually going to get done? You know, uh, now we're talking about men lactating. Now that'll preach. <laughs> that... Yeah, because see, you don't when you when you when you let the Ocasio Cortezes and Bernie Sanders at all of the world, when you let that camel's nose under the tent, you're not just getting their quirky because these aren't economic ideas. These are they have a holistically opposing worldview. You're gonna get all the moral insanity and everything else that goes along with it at the exact same time. You're gonna you will get the whole Monty or nothing. Okay. That's so that'll preach, Aaron. That was well done. Exactly. See. I was in favor of the Iraq war because I thought we were going there for Halliburton. I was like, yeah, it's a great idea. Me totally too. all in. Cheap oil, yeah. It's only the number one commodity that fuels uh, Western civilization. It's worth going to war over. You bet it is. I wanted yeah. to make hegemony great again, you yeah. know? Uh, I, I'm in. I, I, empires get a bad name sometimes, you know? Um, I'm totally in. I never thought, I thought we were just saying bring freedom to democracy to Iraq. Because we were just lying to the New York Times, so Bush get reelected in 2004, and then I was convinced of it because, like, the day after the 04 election is when we finally went into uh, Fallujah in the Anbar province and cleaned up, started cleaning up that mess after we just let it go for about a year because they were compare, they were basically afraid of the body count. Our younger listeners and viewers, Aaron, will not remember this, but these are some these are bad memories of your and Todd and I's age group or older. When I saw that we were never sending the Halliburton trucks, and that we really were going to try and com- comport uh, a, a religion that doesn't believe in any semblance of free will with, with self-government and self-rule, I was like, we really believe this? I, I expected this from the Marie Harfs of the world. We actually thought we were going to 
make people who think that they need to wash their hands before they, uh, you know, give a weather forecast and in, in, for the will of a law, we're going to, we're going to give them government to vote like a democracy and they're going to be compatible with it. Really? We actually weren't guilty of what the liberal media accused us of, which I was actually all for and remain to this day, by the way, I'm still for it, by the way, still for it. Cause guess who's going to do that now in Iraq, Iran. So cool. Uh, let's go next. Alyssa Delaney says, my husband and I enjoy your show. We just watched, uh, or we recently watched your episode with your top 10 movie picks of last year. We are planning on seeing several of, several of them based on your recommendation, but we were surprised that Paul, Apostle of Christ, was not on the list. Did you see it? And if so, did you think it was good? If not, why? Uh, I did see it. It is really good. It is not your typical faith-based movie. It is not like I can only imagine. This is not something to take your seeker friends to, right? This is really a thinking man's movie. It's really for believers, because it has a lot of heavy weight of what, you know, what, what, what it means to make moral calculations in a, in a pagan culture when you're the minority now. And they always were then. We just are now. All right. So I, I think it's a, it's a phenomenal conversation piece. And it's exceedingly well written. And it's maybe it's the best acted faith-based movie I've seen since, um, since The Passion. You know, which I guess is kind of a coincidence because James Caviezel's in both of them. But uh, I would highly recommend it. But this is more of a movie for your small group, you know, and then you guys have like an hour conversation about it afterwards. Because it's this is this movie is not a popcorn flick. It's not, you know, to go, you know, reach uh, unbelievers with or skeptics with. This is kind of an, it's basically a Bible study. So it, it, there's more intellectual heft and heavy lifting involved, but it, but it's well done and I would highly recommend it. Um, Brian Schultz writes, the last time I contacted you, I told you I was a minister in the ELCA. That's the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. That may not last much longer. I contacted the Synod for Vermont and asked what their response would be to their, to their state house passing that recent infanticide bill. The reply I got back asked me why I was asking this question whatsoever. As Todd said very clearly from his heart, following the clip from the New York abortion mill the other day, the church is broken. Simply asking me why I would even ask this question is as much proof as I think anyone should need. Thank you for all you and your team do for Christ. You know, um, I'm gonna. How do I say this without in without stepping on rakes? I don't want to step on. I don't mind stepping on rakes. I want to step on. Um, I don't like stepping on the ones I don't. Okay. Can I get your permission to have a purely Protestant conversation for a second? Go get them. I like okay. those. All right. All right. So if you're a Protestant, if you're part of a denomination that you believe has gone wayward beyond repair, why are you still there? Again, we're just, I'm just going to have a purely Protestant conversation. Let's pretend Todd's not here for a second. Okay. If, if, if you if you're staying with the denomination that is wayward that has gone wayward that you believe has gone wayward beyond repair, then why did you take part in the Reformation at all? You should have just stayed Catholic, because at least with that you got all of the tradition and of all the church fathers and teachers, the fifteen hundred years prior to the ninety five theses. This is I, this isn't this is something I don't understand. Like I understand when you're in a denomination. And it goes wayward, fighting back for orthodoxy. I get that. 
But once the, once they have once they have planted their flag, like why are there like conservative? Which which one of the Presbyterian groups is really liberal? Aaron, do you remember? Well, I can't remember which one it is. Okay, USA. Yeah. Why are there like conservatives in that denomination? Why? I mean, that that seems to me an anti-Protestant argument. I mean, if you believe in staying, if you're going to stay and fight for a wayward denomination, you should you should have gone. To, you should have stayed Catholic. Because there's at least you know 1,500 years of of tradition ritual that has made an indelible impact on the world. I don't understand the because to me that's tribalism. Why? Why? I, I had an ELCA one of the a pastor one of the largest ELCA churches in America once tell me when I asked him this question. Well, you know it's the church I was raised in. It's the where I was I went to seminary. I mean, I, okay. tradition, tradition. What's that have to? What's what's sola scriptura about that on any level whatsoever? Whatsoever? Answer none. So you might as well have gone to church with Todd, where at least you're getting some orthodoxy. I, I don't understand that argument at all. Okay, you can, you can tune back in now. I got to yeah. get to elaborate. Was that okay? Good stuff. Okay. Um, hey, when we're done firing you up, you may get that uh, mid-afternoon crash. Don't let that happen to you. Get Brickhouse Nutrition's all-natural energy supplement. I'm a frequent user of this, a big fan. It's called From Dawn to Dusk. It uses the most advanced formula to stimulate more than just your heart, but also your brain and your cells. From the team of top, from the team of top physicians and nutritionists at Brickhouse Nutrition. There's not 7,000 chemicals in here and a bunch of stuff you cannot pronounce. This is all natural and done the way your creator uh, and nature intended. So no more jitters, no afternoon crash. Don't get an energy boost from the place where you buy gas okay get it from actual physicians get it from people that when you turn over their labels it says nutrition fact and not supplement fact get it from our friends at brickhouse nutrition visit brickhousesteve.com brickhousesteve.com to check out this groundbreaking formula again i'm a big fan i highly recommend it from dawn to dusk and if you use my name as a promo code steve you'll get 15 percent off of your first order that's brickhousesteve.com Promo code Steve to get 15% off of your first order. All right, gentlemen, floor is yours. 30 seconds. Any last words? Aaron. Um, Stay out of the ditch. I knew, it was, I knew it was going to be one of those days when I ex- exited my uh, apartment parking lot this morning and the uh, Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile drove by. It's like <laughs> seeing a black cat in a dark alley. <sighs> Never let it be said he's not profound. Everybody have a great weekend. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.